0: Thanks for joining us online today. We're really glad you're with us. Yeah, Core Church is a place of hope, healing, peace, and purpose. And we want you to come see us at 10 a.m. any Sunday. And if we can be of any support to you, we'd love to connect with you. There's lots of links in the description below, whether that's prayer or support in any way. We pray that this message is going to both encourage you and inspire you. man, I, I have loved this season that we are in. If you'd remain standing for just a moment, we're going to look at some scripture today. First Samuel 24. If you want to get a head start, first Samuel chapter 24, we'll be reading the first part of that chapter. But we are in this Lent season and man, we have been stoking that fire through prayer and fasting. I have loved the Lent Pentecost fast. It is, uh, there's just something about it that has just completely overwhelmed me as a pastor uh, in, in all the years I've been pastoring for 23 years. And in all the years that I've pastored, this is one of those moments I've just been so in awe and so overwhelmed that, uh, that every meal during the Lent season has been covered in prayer and fasting by somebody, somebody in this room. Can we just give God some praise for that? I mean, somebody in this room. And if you've taken a meal or in this next week you're taking a meal... You are an intercessor for the kingdom of God. That's, that's a pretty good title. I don't know you get much of a better title than intercessor for the kingdom of God. And you have interceded for your people, and I'm just, t- for God's people, and I'm just telling you that, that don't miss this moment. I, I just, oh, just, I just don't want anybody to miss this moment of what God is doing here in our congregation. I mean, you, you don't want to miss a Sunday, you don't want to miss your group, you don't want to miss seasons of prayer, don't miss it. It's gonna, it what's going to happen is so many people, the wave is coming in, and we're riding this wave, and some of you, you got to get off the beach, and you got to get on that wave. You got to let the Spirit carry you, don't miss this. This is, this is everything that we talked about, this is everything we believed for. And we talked about this last summer that God is moving our church, our people. That's you. Turn to somebody tell them that's you. that's you. He's moving us from Ezekiel 37, a valley of dry bones, into a season of new beginnings. But, but if you miss it, if you miss it, you're going to stay in the valley of dry bones. But what God wants to do is he wants to breathe out his spirit on his people. But he has to have a vessel that is willing to receive it. You gotta say, okay, God, I feel dead. I feel dry. I feel nothing. I need you to breathe your spirit over me. And can I tell you that when you pray and you fast, he will breathe his spirit over you? I love fasting and I hate it. I like to eat. But I, I love those, the closeness that I have with Jesus. The staff laughs at me because when I go through seasons of, of fasting, I, I get super tender and I like cry like a baby, like nothing. I just cry. I just start crying um, just because I'm just, I don't know. Have you, anybody in here married or been married, want to be married? I just remember, like on my wedding day with Laura, and I just remember looking into her eyes, you know, and, and those same green eyes, and 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 I just remember I was an eighteen-year-old kid, two weeks after I turned eighteen, standing there not knowing what I'm doing, and 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 I'm looking into her eyes, and and um, don't get married if you're eighteen, by the way. That was just I should throw that out to the parents of teenagers. I just gave some. That is not a prophetic word. That is a pathetic word. Okay, so. But I remember looking in her eyes, and, and I didn't, and in that, being in that moment, and I didn't want that moment to end, and I remember just bawling. <laughs> I just cried because I was like, I didn't want to lose it. I just wanted to ball it up and I wanted to stay right in that moment, just looking in her eyes. And that's how I feel when I'm, when I'm fasting that I, 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 I'm like in this moment with God and we're just so close and, and, and we're not even talking. We're just, we're just sitting and, or, or, and I don't want it to end and I don't want you to miss it. This next week, I want to encourage you to take time to fast, to pray. Don't miss it. Turn to somebody, tell them, don't miss it. There is no more important week for us as followers of Jesus and distractions are going to keep you from experiencing the cross and the resurrection. I've been so frustrated this last week. I have been so distracted. I've had something that's been going on outside of the church and, and it's demanded so much of my attention. And, and here I am in a season of trying to pray and to fast and I'm so distracted by this over here and this over here and I'm so frustrated. I'm like, God, I, I, I and so this week I'm just, I'm gonna focus on you. So I wanna encourage you, come Friday night, fast as much, put your fast on steroids this week, okay? Whatever you've done before, do it four times that. Uh, Friday is our all day fast as a church, and then we're gonna gather here Friday night for our Good Friday service, and then Easter is a day of celebration. (laughs) A celebration on Easter Sunday. You've been standing a long time, so keep standing. I just remember what Buddy Davis said here on this platform a few weeks ago that I guess I make you guys stand a long time, but I just get amped up and I get going and I forget you're standing. So I stand the whole time, why can't you? That doesn't make any sense. Maybe I should sit down and you should stand the whole time. Anyway, we are in this series for Lent called The Way of Jesus. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be his disciple? What does it mean to make him the Lord of your life? life and been looking at the most famous sermon of Jesus the sermon on the mount it's called that because it was a sermon on a mountain and the first part of that message that he did was called the beatitudes and it's in those beatitudes that we we learn what it means to follow in the way of Jesus if you're not a follower of Jesus today i want to invite you into the way of Jesus there's no better decision you'll make in your life than to follow in the way of Jesus I put my, I gave my heart to Laura two weeks after my 18th birthday. And about three months later, I gave my heart to Jesus. And I've never looked back with either one of those decisions. It's the best decision you'll make. The best decision I made to follow Jesus trumps the decision I made on that wedding day. That's how important and valuable that decision was in my life. Because it's my guiding force. And he can be your guiding force. He can be your light. He can be your joy. I don't want you to miss it. So we are at Matthew 5, 9. This is the Beatitude. Let's say this together. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Okay, I'm gonna read some scripture here. This is a 1 Samuel chapter 24, 1 Samuel 24. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? I think we get an idea here in this scripture. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to download YouVersion or Bible Hub. Those are two great apps for you. I'm gonna read out of the New Living Translation. And let me set this up because I know some of you are new to church, you're new to the scriptures. This is a story about uh, King Saul chasing David. Now let me give you some... So Some of you are like, I don't even know who these people are. That's okay. Let me bring you up to speed. Uh, King Saul, he is a king, the very first king of Israel. Uh, David was the kid who uh, killed the giant, but then he became the commander of basically Saul's army. And he moved into the palace. He was helping Saul. But David was really, really good at what he did. And he was winning victory after victory after victory. And all of a sudden, the people were were shouting louder for David than they were for Saul. Saul becomes incredibly jealous of this because he thinks that there's might be a coup attempt. He's like, David ain't gonna take my throne. And so he attempts and tries to kill David. David goes on the run. He has this band of, of men that he gathers around him who are also on the run. And they're hiding out in this cave. Now, Pastor Eric was just in Israel. Here's the actual mountain and cave where he was hiding. It was in this spot right here. Pastor Eric was there just uh, earlier this year. So Saul shows up in this area where this cave is. And this is where we pick up the story. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of in in Jedi. What Jedi? There's a Jedi in the scriptures right there. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel, went to search for David and his men near the Rocks of the Wild Goats, one of my favorite alternative bands of the 90s, the Rocks of the Wild Goats. They opened up for Pearl Jam. They were amazing. That's a joke, by the way. That's going to be like, really? It sounds like it, doesn't it? So at the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. By the way, that's not take a nap. That is to actually relieve himself. He's going to go to the bathroom. So if you ever doubt scripture, this isn't true. This isn't legitimate. If this was, if this was not true, why would you put that in there? But it's there. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. Now's your opportunity. David's men whispered to him today. The Lord is telling you, I'm going to certainly put your enemy into your power to do as you wish. So David crept forward. And he cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe, but, but then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe and he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king. I, I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. Let's talk about blessed are the peacemakers. Father, your spirit is here and we're just so grateful. Thank you for being here in this place today. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay, now you can take a rest. It's, uh, it's easy to be a peacemaker on Sunday. I mean, come on. We're in the house of God. You are the people of God, singing the songs of God. There's joy, there is unity, there is peace in this place, Amen. But how many know Monday's coming? Yeah, and, and it's gonna be it's gonna be challenging, and, and, and it's gonna be a, a little bit uh, tough to be the peacemaker that you want to be. You you got that that coworker, and I use that term loosely because there's not a whole lot of work going on. Anybody feeling me on that one? You know, they're like they're going on a smoke break, and they don't even smoke. You're like and that 's who i 'm dealing with you got that that classmate that person on your campus that 's just driving you nuts uh, any, anybody ever call the uh, your, your health insurance provider anybody <laughs> blessed are the peacemakers <laughs> I mean and, and you 're talking to them you're you 're trying to show the love of jesus you 're trying to represent Jesus well in that moment and then they, but, but then they they, they, they throw at you that, uh, sir, ma'am, we, uh, that is not the right code. You ever had that one? You're like, what do you mean it's not the right code? That's the code they gave me. This is the third time I've called you to give you that code. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's not the right code. You're like, okay, here's a code for you. Try this one, 666, because you're the Antichrist. <laughs> Or you, it's springtime, you go out, get that shed, get a brand new shed, have them deliver it, set it up, and then the president of the HOA walks over. <laughs> that is not to the proper code and the height of your, you're going to have to change the color of that sh- and shed, and you're just like, I'm going to lock you in the shed is what I'm going to do. <laughs> or, you, or you ever do this? You, look over at your, you ever look over at your neighbor's yard and wish you had an HOA? You're like, wow, it would sure help if we had one of these right now. And Let's not even talk about traffic. Oh, some of y'all losing your salvation on the way home from church in traffic. I mean, that, that's that's kind of mine, is traffic. I, I, in, in fact, um, during Christmas, we, we went through, remember John Mark Comer's book that, that, we, that we went through together, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry? And we talked about that. And in that book, he talks about this idea of Sabbath and silence and quieting yourself before the Lord. And one of the things he says to do in that book is, is to um, drive in the slow lane. Have you ever driven in a slow lane? No, I don't ever drive in a slow lane. And so I was like, you know what? I need to, I probably need to do this. So I picked, and this is important, I picked Fridays. Uh, and, and some of you know Fridays. Fridays my my prayer and fasting and time alone with God day. And so Friday is going to be my day for that. And then, so I started trying to drive in the slow lane. Do you know how slow people drive in the slow lane? Forget the ruthless elimination of Hurley. How about the ruthless elimination of the person in front of me? (laughs) Because I'm losing it. I mean, and I haven't even talked about family. Oh, now let's talk. Family, extended family. I mean, how about, I mean, you know, it's your mother-in-law, your aunt. They're just driving you nuts. I mean, not my, no, I not my. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Somebody who don't know Laura's aunt and mom, uh, mother-in-law, live with, I'm sorry. That's going to cost me some homemade rolls right there. <laughs> be, being a peacemaker would be so much easier if it wasn't for people. <laughs> right? But we're not just a Sunday church. Now we're we're an everyday church. And every day you and I have a choice and I'd like for you to write this down. I can be a peacemaker. I can be a peacemaker. Come on, say that with me. I can be a peacemaker. Okay, here's the second part I want you to write down. Or, write down the word or, I can leave people in pieces. I can be a peacemaker or I can leave people in pieces. It is it is incredibly challenging to be a peacemaker in this day and age. But that is the way of Jesus. Come on, turn to somebody behind you, in front of you, and tell them that's the way of Jesus. That's, that's the way of Jesus. So how? How do we not lose our salvation and blow up and get out of control? How, how do we become... Peacemakers, because here's what I believe in this room is that all of us want to be a peacemaker. None of us want to be a peace breaker. None of us want to leave people in pieces. We we want to be like our Lord, our Savior, and take the peace into our world. So how do we do that? Let's look here. We gain some insight from this story and this, this conflict between King Saul and David. Look at verse two. It says that Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel, went to, went to uh, search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild ghost. So get the picture here. Saul is feeling threatened, okay? He's, he's got a lot of jealousy, and so what does he do? He reacts in fear, and he ruthlessly hunts down David. None of us have ever reacted that way, have we? None of us have ever had feelings like that, have we? That no, we all do. We, we all have these, these feelings where we experience jealousy, resentment, bitterness, anger, and then, and then we react in, in fear. So we experience these emotions and feelings for, for a variety of reasons, and I, I've narrowed it down to just a few of them, and we'll put these on the screen. These aren't, this is an exhaustive list, but I think these are some of the reasons... We react the way we do we, we feel threatened. someone is is, is going to try to take something that belongs to me or, or, or that I feel like I deserve and they, they're, they're they're getting it. We feel taken advantage of somebody actually does get it or, or somebody you felt like somebody actually they manipulated me they actually used me for their their gain they didn't really care about me. And the next thing you know, you have these feelings of resentment, bitterness coming up in you. You ever felt misunderstood? Like you found out somebody has said something about you that, that you said, and you're like, I didn't, I didn't say that. I didn't, I didn't mean that. Why, why would you take it that way? And they're like, no, you did. And you're like, no, I, I didn't. And then suddenly you're frustrated. Anybody been hurt or wounded? When you get hurt, there's an old saying, hurt people, hurt people. When you're hurt, when you're wounded, you want to lash out, you want to take revenge on, on someone. Do you do you maybe maybe you feel oppressed? That's what I felt in this room today. That you feel like I have no control. There's nothing, there's nothing I can do to change the situation around me. So where are you experiencing conflict right now? Which one of those areas? How are, you, how are you reacting? In this story, what we see is that Saul, he didn't go alone. He actually rallied 3,000 other people into the conflict with him. That's what we do. Whenever we feel threatened, taken advantage of, oppressed, or hurt, or wounded, we, we tend to go to other people and, and, and we rally the troops. We just go, I mean, I was like, I'm going to text somebody. I'm going to text a friend. I'm going to let them know, and a group, I'm going to text my entire core group, and I'm going to let them know what somebody been doing to me, and I'm going to get all those people on my side and rally them to my side, or we make the phone call, or, or we, we sit down at lunch or, or uh, over a coffee, and the next thing we know, we are, we're rallying the troops and people to our side, or, or maybe it's a little more passive-aggressive for you. You just get on social media. You put that post up. But you don't mention the person by name. I would never do that. But your whole post is written in such a way that people will comment and rally to your side because of how you are feeling. So the Apostle Paul, he, he wrote a letter to the Christians in Rome, and he said this. Never pay back evil with more evil. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, don't rally the troops. Don't, 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 don't rally the troops. Turn to somebody on the other side and say, I am not a part of your troop camp. I am not a part of your troop camp. I am not. No, ain't gonna happen. He says this, do things in such a way that say this with me, what? Everyone can see you are honorable. So most of you know that before I was a pastor, I, I was on the radio, and uh, I, I still am. You can listen on the way home. I'm on Family Life Radio every Sunday afternoon. But in my, the early days, I did morning shows, and, uh, and I was about 20 years old, and I had a really, really bad boss. I mean, he was, he was horrible. And, and no one at the radio station liked this guy, and he was very, very difficult to work for. And finally, I just had it. I was just done with this guy, and so I was going to go to his boss, which was the general manager of the radio station. I set up a meeting, and 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 I um, I got my best friend, who was my morning show partner, to go with me. I I rallied the troops, bring in some reinforcements with me, and I sit down with my general manager. I explained the situation to him, and and I did that in uh, well, you know, I'm twenty. <laughs> When you're 20, God bless you if you're near 20, you don't have much of a filter. You know you know what I'm saying? Anybody remember when you were 20? Anybody 20 right now? You know, you're like, yeah, amen to that. I, my filter is quite, it's not a quite established yet. And, and so I just kind of, I said some things uh, that needed to be said that were true and were right, but were probably not lovely. And so I get done with this meeting, and I feel really good, I feel heard, and I walk out of this meeting, and I'm just like, yes. And my best friend and morning show partner turns to me, and I will never forget what he said to me. It just drove down deep into my soul. He said, Brad, just because you're right doesn't mean you have to be a jerk about it. He didn't say the word jerk. He... He used an animal name, <laughs> and I've never forgotten that. Because you can be right, and you can handle it in the wrong way. Instead of being a peacemaker, you can leave people in pieces, even when you're right. You you have to stand up for what's right. You've got to stand up for what's right, but you've got to stand up for what's right in the right way. I, it's what Paul said. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Is, is my reaction honoring God? Is my reaction even honoring the person that I'm upset with or I feel threatened by or who's taking advantage of me or who has hurt me or who has oppressed me is, is my reaction. Am I, you, I gotta honor them, Brad? Am I, am I showing them respect? Am I showing them grace? Am I, am I showing them the mercy of Christ lest we forget what this week is all about? Oh, sure, Palm Sunday. Celebrating and honoring Hosanna, Hosanna, the Son of God has come. Our Messiah has come. But let's not forget on that Thursday night, on Monday, Thursday, what's going to happen on Thursday night? Thursday night, one of his closest friends is going to betray him with a kiss. You've walked with me for three years. And, and, and in that moment, when he was betrayed, Jesus could have rallied 10,000 angels, right? Oh, you don't be messing up with me in here. Come on down. Show them to the what for. I don't know that's in the Bible, but that's the way I see it going down in my, in my mind. But he didn't do that, did he? The very people who were wounding him, who had cheated him, who had taken advantage of him, what did he do? He, he showed them grace and he showed them mercy. So David, he's, he's faced with the same decision and Here's Saul. Saul's in the cave and he's, he's relieving himself. He's, he's in, and the reason the scripture tells us this is because, um, when you do that as a, as a man, you're in a very vulnerable position. Can I get an amen for the men? Because this is one of my favorite tricks, okay? I'm just going to tell you this. This is one of my favorite tricks. I—I I, I Just don't go into the bathroom with me. You'll be in big trouble, okay? Because when my kids were little, we would go traveling, and we would get to truck stops or whatever, and they'd go in to use the bathroom, and, and they would go up to walk up to the urinal when they were like, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, 15, 18 years old, whatever. even as adults now, as adults now. And whenever they are up there at the urinal, i just walk right in behind them. Whoop, I got next. And I'd be like this close. I did this right before service today to Philip Hooper. (laughs) Like I got next and I don't remember who was standing here, but I didn't recognize this person. And I think he was a guest and he was like, I don't know what is going on in here right now. (laughs) It's a fun trick to do to your kids. It's just fun. But the reason it works is because the person who's there is vulnerable. I mean, it ain't going nowhere. So he Oh, that's probably all you're going to get out of this message today. And that's just sad. <laughs> so, so here's Saul. He's in this very vulnerable position. And David and his men are hiding in, in, in the back of the cave. And we read this in, in verse 4. They said this, now, now is your opportunity. Now's your opportunity. David's men, they did what? They whispered to him. It, it, what we have to understand about this is a couple chapters back we learned who these guys were. They were the Scripture tells us that they were men that were in trouble. They were in debt. They were discontented. These were men who wanted to see uh, Saul dead and they wanted to see David ascending to the throne. You got to be careful when people start to whisper. Well, turn to somebody and tell them beware the whisper. Beware. Beware the whisper. Anytime somebody lowers their voice and leans in, it should cause you caution and pause. What's interesting is that studies show that we're actually drawn to a whisper. Did you know this? We actually, it's a physical phenomenon that happens in your body that you actually like to have people whisper to you. It's something called ASMR. I'd never heard of this. It's called autonomous sensory meridian response. When somebody whispers in your ear, it sends a tingling sensation into your head, around the back of your head and down the back of your neck. And it's a euphoric-type feeling that you want to be whispered to. Paul talks about this a little bit when he wrote a letter to a young pastor named Timothy. And in that letter, he said this, a time is coming when people won't listen to sound doctrine. They will want their ears tickled. Beware the whisper. Because the way of Jesus is to learn to listen for the whisper of God. There's another guy. His name is Elijah. Some of you know this prophet from the Old Testament. And you know the story. There was a, another king in Israel, King Ahab and, and Queen Jezebel, and they, didn't, they were jealous of Elijah. This is kind of an ongoing theme with the, with the kings of Israel, and they're jealous of Elijah, and so they threaten his life, and he, like David, is on the run. And he runs to this cave. And when he's at this cave, like David was, hiding in a cave, God comes to him in that cave and begins to speak to him. And and the scripture tells us that he begins to speak to him. And then there was this violent windstorm. There was an earthquake and there was fire. But it says the, the Lord was not in the wind. He was not in the earthquake. He was not in the fire. Why? Because God is not in the rumblings and the stirrings. Take note of that. When you're hearing the rumblings and the stirrings and the gossip and the resentment and bitterness, God is not in that. But then there was this whisper, a whisper of God, and Elijah recognized that as the voice of God. So 1 Thessalonians, in the... Paul talks about this. He says, um, how, do I, how do I recognize the voice of God and how do I recognize the, that it's not the voice of God? So he said this, test, test everything that is said. Test everything that is said. And this is hold on, hold on to what is good. Oh, how hard is that? What do you want to, I want to hold on to the good juicy stuff, right? the gossip. I want the, give me something to help feed my bitterness. It is a weird, concocted craziness that we all have. We just like, oh, feed my anger. Feed my little anger monster. Feed my bitterness. Feed my resentment. Oh, that feels so good. And, And we grab a hold. Instead of grabbing a hold of what is good, we grab a hold of discontentment. We grab a hold of revenge. We grab a hold of bitterness and anger and all the things that we should not grab a hold of. So let me give you three ways to test everything, and you write these down. I think these are, gonna, these are, these are really going to help you. I use them all the time. Three ways to test everything, okay? God's word, God's spirit, God's people. Three simple ways. God's word, God's spirit, God's people. When someone is speaking something to you, when you're feeling a sense come over you in a situation, what does, what does God's word say about it? I can tell you right now, if you're not in the word of God, if you're not reading the word of God on a daily basis, guess what you're going to grab a hold of? Not what is good. You wonder why bitterness and frustration, you wonder why you're overwhelmed, you wonder why you want to go, Why you? I want to rally the troops and I am going to take them out. You wonder why you feel that way? Because you're not Listening to the voice of God. You want to hear God's voice? It's speaking to you every day through his word. Through his spirit. He wants to talk to you through his spirit. That's prayer. Spending time in silence, talking to God, reading the scriptures, and then saying, okay, God, how do you want me to process this? Can I tell you very simply how this this works so well? These two things right here have played out so well for me in just the last week with what I've been dealing with. I've been going, God, I I, I said this. I said, God, I just want to do what is right, just, and fair. Laura was in the meeting. Her mom was in the meeting. Aunt Mary was in that same meeting with me. We were all in this meeting with a bunch of people, and I said, look, I just want to do what is right, what is just, and what is fair, God. That's what I care about. That's what matters to me. Do you know in the last two days, I have read in the Proverbs and two different Proverbs that said, do what is right, just, and fair. Well, you know, I don't know about that, though. I'm not sure if that's really what God's saying. His spirit will talk to your spirit. And then God's people, if you're not in a core group, you're in trouble. You're in trouble you got to surround yourself with godly people where you can talk things out in a healthy environment and say, okay, here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm dealing with. Will you help me with this? And they say, oh, here's, why don't you do this? Maybe this. And suddenly you start hearing, hearing things that, that, is, uh, that are honorable that, that God wants you to hear and do. So, so God's word, God's spirit, God's, God's people. So David had a choice. He could, he could be a peacemaker Or he could leave Saul in pieces. And the end of verse four, it says this. So David crept forward and he cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. Now, this might seem like not that big a deal, but this is a big, big deal. You do not cut the robe of God's anointed. What you, you may or may not know is that in that era, in that time period, what kings would do is if they would conquer another nation, they would take the robe from the other king, they would cut it up, and they would attach it to the hem of their robe so they could have the longer the train, the more power they would have. That's what's happening right here for David. you you, you got to be careful That you're not sewing together a robe of revenge. Where where you are putting on a robe of revenge and and parading around for others to see by making comments and and, and snide remarks and showing what has happened and cutting people here and cutting them. I mean, not killing them. We're not going to kill anybody. I'm just going to maim them a little bit. And what happens is, and when that happens, is suddenly you've got this royal robe of revenge on and a long train of pride. You you think I look at the power and the control that I have over this person and this situation. And what you don't know is the enemy has been lying to you because you have no power over anything. What has happened is the enemy now has power over you. Jealousy has power over you. Bitterness has power over you. Anger has power over you. Fear has power over you. Because you got to take off that robe of revenge. James 3.18, Jesus' half-brother James, he said this, those who are peacemakers, they're going to do what? Say it with me. Plant seeds of peace. Peacemakers plant seeds of peace. Turn to somebody and tell them it's time to start planting peace. It's time to start planting Peace. And he says if you plant seeds of peace, you're going to reap a harvest of righteousness. So get this, in order to receive a robe of righteousness, which which Pastor Eric talked about a few weeks ago, we want to be righteous before God. That's one of the Beatitudes. If I'm going to put on a robe of righteousness, I first have to take off the robe of revenge. I I have to take off jealousy. I have to take off anger, bitterness, resentment, fear. I have to cast that aside in the name of Jesus. Cast it aside. This week, Jesus could have put on a robe of revenge. Are you kidding me? Taken advantage of unjust actions, hurt, oppressed. Yes, he could have just said, I'm putting on a robe of revenge. Y'all, y'all in trouble right now. But he didn't do that. He humbled himself. And he put on a robe of righteousness. I like verse five because verse five is me. I think this is one of my favorite verses about David. Because I always see David as this mighty king. Good night, he killed a giant. He He had... Thousands and thousands of victories. Everybody loved him. He overcame the odds. He was just killed. I mean, he killed a lion and a bear. Guy's a stud. And then I see this, and for some reason, David becomes very, very human to me in this moment, and, and I see myself so closely. It says, but then David's conscience began bothering him. Has your conscience ever been bothered? If it hasn't, Let that be a moment of pause. That means you have allowed that robe of revenge to so encircle you that God has no way of getting in and neither does anyone else. But we have a a conscience towards our God when we take off the robe of revenge and we put on the robe of righteousness. And it says in verse seven, so so David restrained his men and he did not let them kill Saul. Saul. Becoming a peacemaker, unfortunately, is forged in the depths and the darkness of the cave. It's forged in conflict. I wish it wasn't, but it is. So what, what cave are you in? What cave are you in? Are you, do you feel threatened? Feel taken advantage of? Have you been misunderstood, hurt, wounded? Do you, do, you feel, do you feel oppressed? See, what conflict is going to do, it's, it's going to test your peace. It's going to test your, your peace, and you've got you to gotta let Christ shine his light into those dark recesses of your soul. You've got to let him uproot jealousy, and you've got to let him plant a seed of peace. You got to let him uproot bitterness and plant a seed of peace. You got to let him uproot resentment and fear and anger, and you got to let him just plant a seed of peace. Matthew 5 9, where we started today, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they're going to be called children of God. That's what I want no, that's what you want. I, I want to be called a child of God. This is the way of Jesus. Let's pray together for a moment. Father, we come to you in humility. We recognize those areas in places in our lives where we have not been peacemakers. I just want to encourage you in this moment to let God search your heart search your soul. One of our core values is peace, being a peacemaker. Maybe for you today, that's the one you need to focus on. God, make me a peacemaker. What conflict, what is it you need to surrender? Surrender that to him right now. Jealousy, anger, bitterness, resentment, a situation God, I got to, I got to get it out of me. I got to get into you. And, and, God, and just ask him, plant a seed of peace, God, please. Please, God, plant a seed of peace through the power of your Holy Spirit. Maybe you need forgiveness today. One of our core values is healing, healing for the soul. Maybe you've hurt some people and maybe hurt yourself. Things you've said, things you've done, and you need the forgiveness of God. His mercy and his grace are here because he is a peacemaker. He wants to make peace with you today. He doesn't come with the royal robe of revenge. He comes wrapped in righteousness because he wants to heal you. So right now, just confess that to him and say, God, would you forgive me? And he says, yes, you're my child. I forgive you. I want to make you whole. I want to make you new. I want to make you shine. Just thank him for his grace and his mercy. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope the message you heard both encourages you and inspires you. Yeah, we'd love for you all to come and see us at CORE Church at 10 a.m. any Sunday. And if we can support you in any way or you'd like to get connected with us, there are links in the description below. Thanks again for joining us online.